Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I bribed to save my son's life with two cigarettes. Stories from 10 New Zealand Cambodian women, survivors of Pol Pot. I'm Linda Chanwai Earl, bringing you this eyewitness programme about stories of incredible survival against the odds. You know, uh, when we were in the camp? Yes, in the refugee camp. In the refugee camp, when we got interviewed with the American embassy in the, the camp, my mum and my brother always cry. I never cry. You didn't cry, yeah, but your mother and your brother yeah. always cry. Sometimes I said, Mum, cry, and she cries straight away. And the effective government in, in Cambodia under CNOC could have continued. But the American intervention there, whether or not they were responsible for the anti CNOC coup, has now put the Khmer Rouge, the forces that the Americans were opposed to, in the dominating position in Cambodia. On the 17th of April 1975, the Khmer Rouge entered Phnom Penh and emptied the capital city of its citizens. What followed under the regime of leader Pol Pot was one of the world's worst genocides. Around 2 million Cambodians died by torture, execution or starvation. Some survived against all odds, fleeing across the world as refugees. Ten New Zealand Cambodian women have finally spoken out in a publication titled I Tried Not to Cry. It's taken 20 years to compile from an oral history project initiated in 1993 as part of women's suffrage, interpreted and written by Cambodian New Zealander Nibirom Young. The Honourable Dame Sylvia Cartwright states, Nibirom's book demonstrates that this was not the experience of a mere fraction of Cambodians. It's become common for the 7 million people who lived in the country at the time. My name is Sokom. My family name Yu. Yeah, my... Uh, my date of birth uh, for a uh, January 38. And what? what? Uh, I'm born in Batamong Province, Sankai District, near Brickpop Village. And you have two sons here um, yeah, yeah. in New Zealand? Yes. Your son David? Yes. And your other son? Another son. Chuck. Chuck. Yeah, uh, my younger brother named Chuck. Chuck. And yeah. you're the eldest brother? Yeah, I'm the eldest. Sokom Yu came from a Buddhist middle-class family living in Botombong province, bordering Thailand in the north. In 1960, she married Yom Suong, a 22-year-old high school teacher, one year older than herself. Because her husband could speak English, he became an interpreter for a U.S. agency and then eventually for the U.S.-backed Cambodian army. He, along with all the men from Sokom's family, were among the first to be executed by the Khmer Rouge. 
children were separated from their parents and sent to work in child labour camps. Right now, Nibirom Young and Sokum's eldest son, David, Cambodian name Shakriya, are helping to translate at her home in Porirua. During uh, the Khmer Rouge in 1975, I think I still remember that on April 17, 1975, uh, my father, he uh, moved from Phnom Penh, Phnom Penh to Battambang. And on that day, I still remember because I was eight years old. And I saw Khmer Rouge, they ask people, they force people to leave, to leave the, the, the city, go to the countryside. But my family, because my father was an army, was a soldier that under Lonel and supported by the USA at that time. They collect all the uh, soldier families to in, in the group. I think around 8,000 8, 8, families of family of the soldiers, and they sent to a country called uh, Phnom Sampur, somewhere near Phnom Sampur. This think, is a rural area? Yeah, yeah rural area, never, no, no people living there before. So uh, they, they just chuck all those uh, soldiers living there. And their families. Yeah, with their families, about 8,000 8, uh, 8, families. And they never feed, they never give food at all. And by 1977, I still rem- remember, they, uh, they bring all the, those families to kill in one place called Otanye, just uh, near, near Phnom Sampur also. And that time we walked to that place, and then uh, later on at night time, they about to kill us and post us to the club, you know, through the, the clubs. And then they saw that all too many uh, people to kill at one time. So they said that uh, postpone it. But they don't say postpone, they said that's just uh, release them to somewhere. Phnom Sampo, that uh, we call Phnom Sampo, that is, a, we call it a mountain, but it's quite a big hill, <laughs> big hill. And the shape, Phnom is a mountain, and Sampo is a sh- sailing ship. And then the shape of the mountain is like like a sailing ship, and uh, there's a temple right up there. And until now, you can still see David mentioned cliff. That's where they push all the people into there. Yeah. Until now, you can still see. You can still smell. And if you go there, you but it's all dark. It's so deep. The so cliff deep, is so yeah. deep. It's like a cave in there. And that's where they push people they don't want, they don't like, or they want to kill. But mm-hmm. to save their strength, save the bullet, save everything, you just push them in there. And now it's like a killing field in there too. Mm-hmm. So how did your mother find your brother? Did she know where he was or did yeah, you know? because like he... Somebody quite, saw him? Uh, because he's quite uh, young, uh, they they allowed to come home more more often than the older oh, one. So yeah. he was allowed to visit uh, yeah. your mum yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Whereas the older children, like yourself, would no. be forced to stay at these labour camps for children, all these yeah. uh, places for children. Yeah, that's right. In, in forced labour. Yeah, forced labour. more yeah. likely to die. Yeah. By some miracle, Sokom located her two sons, Shakriya, aged 11, and Chowan, aged 5 at the time keeping them alive by any means, even bribing with cigarettes. They were able to flee to Kao Igang refugee camp on the Thai border. After five years in refugee camps, Sokom and her two children finally arrived in Auckland in 1986. Her firstborn son, Sopal Suong, was never found. Yeah, so. These are the photo of our families. This is my mum, this is me, yeah, younger brother. And this number is very important. This number is your life. This KD. number, KD, it means carry down. One, seven, 
I think one four three. One four three. That is yeah. very very important because it is your life. That it is, is my life. If I lost it, I cannot come to New, to New anywhere. Zealand. Not only New Zealand. This it, is your U UNHCR number. Yeah, the UNHCR number, and you have to keep this. It's very important. Yeah. I am a Cambodian woman. My name is Sijun Sangtha. I was born in 19. I was born 24 December 1933. They were all at home in Phnom Penh when the Khmer Rouge invaded. Every man, woman and child were forced to walk hundreds of miles into the country to survive on nothing. Before the, before the go out from the, from the city, I got eight children. In 1975, I got eight children. I got eight children follow with me all. I going out my, my parents, my eight children, my husband... And your parents, so the whole family had yeah, to leave. Yeah, the whole family. Before my my children not stay with me, but stay your, near to me. And your children no. were taken, but they yeah. stayed near in a, in a yeah a camp for children. Yeah, and my property in here, my mum and here maybe. And your parents were sent to, to yeah. other places. Yeah. <laughs> So the seven children who died, two I never seen. The first one, the second one, I've never seen for the last time. And the others, they died in front of me. I was there when they died. Sichun survived over three years under Pol Pot, but not before she had to bury her husband and seven of her children. She escaped with her only surviving child, youngest daughter Pon, spending three months in refugee camps on the Thai border before coming here in 1980. Published by Steele Roberts Aotearoa, I Tried Not to Cry, launched at Parliament on the 18th of August this year. For Nibrom, this book, a 20-year dedication, is personal, having lost her own parents and younger brother to Pol Pot as well. Everybody lost something or someone. It's, yeah. it's hard to comprehend a whole country, a whole nation of people losing somebody and something. That's what happened with Cambodia. That's how I feel. That's why I go through all this to, to keep that going. So one day, if some of them, they might not want to know now, but later on they will and is there for them to know what's going on. And also for, for New Zealanders here. Um, so they know that well, people who became New Zealanders like them now, this is where they came from, and this is what happened to them. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.